the point of the sermon this morning is this. The Good Shepherd protects, knows, leads, and feeds his sheep. And following the model of the Good Shepherd, elders of Christ's church ought to, after the example of the Good Shepherd, know, protect, lead, and feed his people. Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Presbyterian Church in Owasso, Oklahoma. Our passion is to show that grace changes everything in Jesus Christ by equipping you to rest in worship, grow in community, and rediscover your calling. To join our body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at trinityowasso.com. Find John 10, put your finger in that page of the Bible, and Stay with me for a little bit and listen. Now, it's unfortunate in our English Bibles that the paragraph or the chapter break happens where it does in John chapter 10. You may, you may know that Stephen Langdon, who is a Parisian printer in 1205, was the one who put the, the chapter divisions in the Bible, Old Testament and New, as he's going to take it to be printed. And we know that in uh, 1313, the Jews adopted that to be their own chapter divisions in their Bible. And in 1516, when the Bible, the Hebrew Bible was printed, they printed those chapter divisions. And in John 10, when we open to John 10, we see it's the beginning of a new chapter, but it is a continuation of a context that is crucial for you to know if you're going to understand what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10. In John chapter 8, Jesus had just spoken with the group of Pharisees in the temple. And at the temple, Jesus had been preaching the gospel, teaching them about how he was the light of the world. And the, the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day, they were the church goers. They, the, they were the leaders. They were the ones who, they had God in the box. They had them all figured out. They were like, what is this guy blaspheming? And Jesus said to them, you don't understand that I'm the light of the world, that I've been sent from my father, that I am the son of man, a reference back to Daniel, because you're blind. <laughs> and they cuss and howl and spit, and they grab a rock to throw at Jesus because Jesus had said, you're sons of Abraham, I am too. In fact, before Abraham was, I am. And as they're going to stone Jesus, he leaves the temple area. He leaves the court of, of, of Israel and he goes into the, the court of Gentiles. He goes to the court of women. He leaves the temple area and immediately after he leaves the people who should have been able to see the gospel most clearly, the church-going Pharisees, there is a man who is begging who is blind and Jesus heals him. And guys, Jesus heals this man He's been blind from birth and he heals them. And, and wouldn't it be amazing to celebrate what Jesus has done? He did this amazing miracle in the midst of the people of Israel just as he leaves the temple as a sign of Jesus leaving the Jews to go to the Gentiles. They're hungry, they're craving for it. It's the people who are in the church sometimes that are the hardest to hear the gospel. And he heals this man. And you know what the Pharisees catch up to Jesus and say to him? They don't say, this is amazing. <laughs> I can't believe you healed this man. Only God can heal, as the Old Testament teaches. Only God specifically can heal people born blind. The prophets speak of that again and again. And this man healed this man born blind. The first thing they say to Jesus is, I can't believe he did this on the Sabbath. 
and they go after Jesus for breaking one of their laws. They call the man in and they say, hey, excuse me, excuse me, what happened? Who did this? And they say, I don't know who, I don't know who did it, but I just know that I was once blind and now I see. Well, who do you think this person is that Jesus, well, I think he's a prophet. And they call his parents and his parents say, well, I don't know. They're fearful of the Pharisees because the Pharisees had the authority to kick people out of the synagogue. And so they, they're intimidated by them. And they say, well, listen, we don't know how it happened. We just know that he was born blind and now he sees. Ask him. He's of age. And so they ask him and they say, the man says, listen, at the very end of the chapter, he says, listen, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. And why are you so curious about it? Could it be that you want to be a disciple of Jesus' too? <laughs> and this, this man born blind like begins to preach to these Pharisees. And then Jesus finds this man and he says, do you want to believe? And the guy says, yes, I can see it. I want to believe. The, Jew, the, the Jews, the Christian, I mean, the, the Pharisees did not believe because they couldn't see it. They didn't hear Jesus' words. They didn't believe it. And so often, oh, member of the church, oh, pastor of the church, we often have eyes that are blind to see the work of God in our midst. And it's in that context that Jesus gives this amazing extended metaphor about being the door and the good shepherd. And so if you're willing and able, would you stand with me as we read God's word from John chapter 10? We'll read from verse 1 down. I'm going to read all the way through 21, even though it's only through 18, I think is printed in your bulletin. This is God's word, and it's given to you in love. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, for they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they could not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are as thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. This thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. For there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge 
I have received from my Father. And then remember the context, friends. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. And many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Please. Jesus uses an extended metaphor that he pulls from Isaiah chapter 56 and Ezekiel chapter 34, pictures of the shepherd in the Old Testament. And he lays before the people and certainly the Pharisees who are listening with a picture of two shepherds, one a good shepherd and one a thief, one a shepherd who's faithful, one a shepherd who scatters the sheep. And I wonder which one Jesus is trying to help the Pharisees see that they are. And Chuck and Chris, this sermon is a sermon to all of us in the congregation, of course, but it's also a sermon to you, brothers, because we are called to lead the sheep. And there are two kinds of elders According to Jesus, they're the kind of elders that scatter the sheep and do not feed them, and they're the kind of elders that lay their life down for the sheep. And the Lord has called us to be that second kind of shepherd after our good shepherd who knows his sheep, who protects his sheep, who leads his sheep, and who feeds his sheep. Jesus shows us all of this in these verses. First, Jesus knows his sheep. He says that the shepherd is known by the doorkeeper, by the gatekeeper. Why? Well, it's because the shepherd has already been there to uh, arrange it. He already knows the sheep. He put them there. He's shepherding them. He he set the man up at the gate to guard the gate, to know who the good shepherd is. Jesus has already been with his sheep. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. He calls them by name. The power of calling them by name, he knows them. He leads them out. In Greek, it's ekbelo. He leads them out. Because later it says he brings, he's some of them, he brings some of them out. Because why? Because some of those sheep are stubborn, and they're hard of hearing. And ekbelo in Greek, to bring them out, means the idea of Jesus has to go and prod them out. He has to encourage them out, as though Jesus, speaking to these Pharisees, remember, in the context, is saying, some of the people who should have been the ones to understand the gospel the best are the ones I have to prod out, because their self-righteousness has blinded them. The Pharisees did not really know this man who was born blind. They called this man before them, and instead of entering into the man's situation and rejoicing that this man has, he sees. I mean, I don't, nobody in this congregation that I know of was born blind, but can you imagine being able to see? I mean, how disorienting it would be. And they don't look at this man like a subject of care and grace. They treat him as an object lesson for theological discourse. And how many of you have been wounded by the church? How many of you who had shepherds that should have watched over you and cared for you in your own individual struggles, and instead they, in a doctrinaire kind of way, treated you like some kind of theological discourse? They didn't see you. They saw some theological abstraction. But notice that Jesus, Jesus sees the man. And it wasn't just that Jesus saw the man, it's that Jesus sees the man alongside his disciples because what did his disciples do to the blind man? If you read earlier in John, who were the first people to see the man born blind? The disciples. 
were the ones to find this man born blind. And immediately when the disciples find this man born blind, what do they say to Jesus? They don't say, Jesus, let's have mercy on this brother. They say, Jesus, who sinned? This man or his mom and dad? And even those who have been with Jesus treat this man like a theological abstraction. They don't see the man. They treat him like he's some kind of project. <sighs> Will, Nathan, Paul, Chuck, Chris, Blake, do not treat your people like theological abstractions. They're to be shepherded with all the unique sensibilities, personalities, desires, strengths, loves, liabilities, sin struggles. You get the whole package deal when you get us the sheep say. And may we know them. Elders, you have to know your sheep. They're not subjects of theological abstractions. They are subjects of mercy and grace in process of progressive sanctification. And if any of you are like me, that progress is often painfully slow. At Trinity, Brothers, you will be overwhelmed by all the names and faces and stories, and you're going to try to remember who's in your community group and what their individual stories are, and you're going to forget. I'm going to forget. You know I forget. And how are we to know and share these stories, to know what's going on? How are you to know people in your community group, Trinity? Because you pray for them. How do you remember so many details about people in your life? It's because you're not self-absorbed about it when you're at community group. You're thinking about the other people in the room and how can you lay your life down for them, oh, member of the church. And prayer is the peristalsis. It is the wave-like muscle that brings the information in your head down to your heart. And we have got to bathe these people in prayer, brothers and members. Oh, you need to bathe these brothers in prayer because you can know a lot of information the world's not changed by information. It is changed by the change of the heart. And prayer is how those who lead the church get information about people from their head into their heart. There was a man named Peter Burskendorf who was Martin Luther's barber, the reformer Martin Luther. And he one time said, Martin, how do you know so much about your students and about your people? And, and Luther replied, why, I pray for them. And as I pray for them, the Lord Jesus helps me to recall each of their specific needs and wants. And though I still forget, it is the discipline the Lord has called leaders of the church to practice more than any other. And then in the kind of way Martin Luther does, he went home and he wrote a whole book for Peter to explain how one is to pray. So elders, know your sheep. And you know what? You're still going to forget. And you're going to be awkward. You're going to forget whose sister is who and whose brother is who. And you're going to forget details of their name. And you know what? Most people don't really care if you remember that their sister's name was Sarah and she was from Cleveland. They are going to care, though, that you prayed for them. And so let's pray for our sheep. We have to know them. Jesus knows his own. Follow the example of the good shepherd and shepherd in light of the Lord Jesus who knows his sheep. Secondly, protect. The Pharisees saw themselves as the pastors of the church in the day. And they saw Jesus as the intruder. And there will be times in your life where you see grace and you'll be tempted to think it's an intruder. And unless you see the way that the Lord has moved in their life, grace is never an intruder. It is always 
a helpmate. It is always the way that we grow in the gospel. It is always a helping hand. The people of the day were bound, they were duty-bound to stick to the Pharisees, and they were intimidated by them. They did whatever the Pharisees said that they should do, lest they be excommunicated from the temple and kicked out. And Jesus describes that the false shepherds came not to give life, but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And if, O elders of the church, we lead without grace, we will be like the thieves who kill and destroy what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives. And you who go to community groups and you who are involved in Trinity, if you don't recognize the power of grace in each other's lives, if you find yourself becoming self-righteous like the Pharisees and judging people and saying, well, whatever it is you want to say and think, you will find yourself eaten up with your own self-righteousness. And heaven forbid, we all have thousands of friends who have left the church, who are running from the church, who are drinking in modernity and post-modernity like it's greater aid. They're just, you know, just don't go to church. The pandemic made it so easy to stay home. But it is actually your self-awareness that becomes attractive It is the place where people come to this church who they have amazing fears of walking into a church building, especially one in a sixth grade center. But it is your self-awareness that you recognize that you are the greatest sinner in the room, that I'm the greatest sinner in the room, I say to myself. And so your hands are open with grace. Elders, people care a lot about the Second Amendment today. And they want to keep and brandish arms for their own protection. And shepherds used weapons in the ancient Near East to be able to fend off the wolf. But elder, we don't have the power of the sword in the church. We have a spiritual power. And nor would we even want the power of the sword if it was offered. Because what we have to command is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to be shepherd according to his word. And we are to protect the sheep by the preaching of the word, not the preservation of some subculture, not the preservation of some intimate knowledge, but by the Lord Jesus Christ. One of these days, all of us, all of us will not be here. We will be in the presence of the Lord and there will be another crop of elders and they will stand on our shoulders. And unless we shepherd the people with the gospel every day, the drift of leadership will so often lead us to create cultures or identities. And heaven forbid this sermon is any different in five years when we have a building than it is right now. You are the church. That building is not the church. But it complements our ability, first of all, to shepherd each other in the gospel of grace. Wolves, of course, come at night. So does Satan. When you're depressed and when you struggle, that's when he loves to strike. Wolves, of course, come whenever the shepherd is tired. So your elders are going to say things to you that are going to disappoint you and they may even wound you and they may even sin against you. And like the man born blind, you'll have the opportunity to preach the gospel even to the religious leaders to remind them of the gospel of grace. And And elders, brothers, we should never be surprised when, like good Bereans, the people in our church bring an insight of Scripture, help us see how to shepherd people better. We should never be surprised by that, but we should praise God 
for their diligent search of the scriptures. We're not elders because we're the smartest in the room. We're elders because the Holy Spirit's called us to lead. That's it. And we have a responsibility to protect the sheep. Just as Jesus protected the sheep from the thief and from the wolf. Uh, Philip Keller, who uh, writes beautifully on Psalm 23, says that when he was growing up in, in around the shepherd uh, uh, community, he says that people who, uh, who shepherded that weren't, that didn't own the sheep, they didn't call them shepherds, they called them sheep men. <laughs> and the sheep men never, they, they always were paid by the hour. They, they would watch the sheep, but they would, they, would, they, would, they would leave, they would wander off. But it was the shepherd who took intentional care and always protected the sheep at the risk of his life when he saw that the wolf was coming. We are called to protect the people by the gospel and by our own teachability for people to encourage us with the gospel. Because it ain't about us. This church ain't about me. It ain't about you. It's about the work of Jesus. And as we hold the gospel up and we use that as the motivating power for our friendships and our relationships, whew, transformational change begins to happen because of the Holy Spirit's work. Shepherd God's people O elder, with the gospel, through the demonstration of your own teachability. A.W. Peake once wrote, how many a preacher there is today who is fancied in his superiority. He scorns the help with which oftentimes a member of his congregation could give him. He glorifies in his seminary education that others cannot follow, that they are ignorant laymen, that, that he can't imagine they have light on the scriptures which they themselves don't possess. Let a spirit-taught layman seek to show the average pe preacher that the way of the Lord comes sometimes through acts of grace from the layman to the leader. Oof. That is so true. How much more for elders in the church? So know your sheep, protect your sheep, lead your sheep. How many sheep are protected through the wounds um, of the shepherd? Our job is to protect you. Your job is to protect each other, members of the church. You need to love each other enough to know how to do this amazingly difficult thing called confrontation <laughs> and to do it with grace and skill and love. The presence of shalom in a church is not the absence of conflict. It is the presence of peace. And peace must be maintained by active confrontation in light of the gospel consistently. And so would you encourage these brothers, Chris and Chuck, as they come to be installed and ordained today? Would you allow them to lead you, to allow them to lead you back to the beauty of the gospel? And brothers, we lead by making sacrifices of our time, Second Tuesday of every month, comes every month, whether you want it or not. Sometimes it's not very convenient. But we shepherd the church together. We shepherd the church when people need us. We show up for them when it's hard. And you will be amazed in ways that nobody can see the way that the Holy Spirit will encourage you and strengthen you for that task, even though it's intimidating. And even now, men, some of, he's preparing some of you who aren't even yet officers of the church for the same calling. And some of you know who you are. And our job is to lead them. Jesus, it says, leads them out. He knows them by name. He takes them by the hand and he protects them from the hired hands and from the thieves and he leads them to green pastures 
so also we are to lead them in the green pastures. And it's not about us. If there was a shield or a crest of the elders of this church, one day it would be from Psalm 115. And if we were fancy and did it in Latin, we would say, nobis non nobis. It would, not to us, O Lord, not to us. But to your name we give the glory. It ain't about any one person in this church. It's about the Lord Jesus. Not to us. And we lead each other together toward the gospel. And lastly, feeds. The shepherd leads his sheep to green pastures because it's in the green pastures that they're nourished. And there will be times when you have to be taken by your elders to greener pastures. And you won't want to go through that fence. And you will kick and scream. And sometimes the elder, in order to protect you, has to wound you in order to do it. And you want to be an elder? It's hard. (laughs) And as members of the church, we too are to feed each other with the gospel. We are to say, hey, this grass is rich and beautiful and green. Here's a a book that I've just read. Or let me tell you about the way the Lord's worked in my own life. You feed each other by sharing your stories in community groups, not by going there just to you know, punch a, uh, uh, check a box as though somehow God loves you more because you showed up at community group. Like, you're there to remind people of the green grass of the gospel, even as the elders of this church do the same. In Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they see a, a man who was uh, a beggar from birth, and his friends brought the beggar there to beg every day, and, and, um, and Peter looks at him. He directs his gaze at him, as did John, and they say to the man, look at us. Silver and gold we do not have. We can't meet your need. We don't have money, but what we do have, we have. And give you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And Acts chapter 3 says, and taking him by the right hand, Peter rose him up. And immediately the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he went leaping and dancing and rejoicing into the temple. Our job is not to tickle your ears as leaders of the church. Our job is not to give you always what you want. Our, our job is to give you the Lord Jesus. It is to preach him. And to allow you to rise up and walk and to dance and leap with joy into the presence of the Lord before his face, Coram Deo. And we are to feed our people with the good news that self-saving strategies will not work. Never have, although we're very creative as human beings. You can't earn your way to God and you can't muster up enough energy through worship, through an experience to earn God's merit and favor, you come broken. You come as a sheep. And you do realize that I'm a sheep (laughs) led by my good shepherd and you're a sheep led by the elders of this church and in the ancient Near East, being a sheep was not a compliment. And he opens up to us this beautiful metaphor and he says, feed the sheep. John Flavel, who was a Puritan the 17th century once wrote, the Lord makes excellent use of your infirmities, O leaders, and of your failings to do good. And he makes them turn your unexpected into an advantage. For by these defects, he hides pride from your eyes. He goads you, just like Jesus had to goad some of those who should have known the truth out of the, into the fold. He goads you from self Dependence, and he makes you admire the riches of free grace. He makes you to long more ardently for heaven and the entertainment and the sweeter thoughts of death. 
and, he, and doth not the Lord then make blessed fruits to spring up from you from such a bitter root? Oh, the blessed chemistry of heaven, of leadership in his church, to extract such mercies out of such miseries as Chuck, Chris, Will, Nathan, Paul, we all know of our own lives and struggles. During the time of persecution in the early church, the early church um, would preach this text, and they would preach this text to their, their parishioners, just as I preach it this morning, and they would say, Jesus is the door. He's the way in. That's what you feed. You feed people the good news that Jesus is always the way in. Can't climb over the fence. Doesn't come by good behavior. It doesn't come by good merit. Doesn't come by economic standards. Doesn't come by struggle or selfishness. It comes by the way of Jesus, who is the door. And they said the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper is actually a symbol of the courts of the church to protect you, to keep you safe. The elders of that local body, the regional group of men called a presbytery, then general assembly, they're there they're to help you to be the courts of the church. And you're the sheep to be led out by this powerful working of the Holy Spirit who leads men to shepherd his sheep following the model of Jesus, who is the good shepherd. For he knows, he protects, he leads, and he feeds you. And if there's anybody this morning that has never been fed by the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, then today is the day to believe. And friends, if there's anybody here who's been wounded by the church, today is the day to dare to say, oh, Lord, you and I have not talked in a long time. Would you dare open my heart to the beauty of your church once again? And would you come, and as you take the Lord's Supper later this morning, would you experience the joy of his presence with you? And he says to you, I have covered you with a righteousness that is not your own. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's follow our good shepherd men. And members of Trinity, let's know, protect, lead, and feed each other in the gospel after the model of our Good Shepherd, who gave his life for you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Trinity, please visit our website at trinityowasso.com.